Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I noticed something imperative, very pivotal moment for me at least, when I was talking to my son the other day. My son has aspirations that are humongous, and I love it. It actually is one of my favorite things about him. But in particular, he wants to be the best at what he does. It doesn't matter what that boy's interest is at that time. Whatever it is, there is no mediocrity with him. He wants to be the best. And so for this particular phase and stage in his life, he wants to be the best basketball player. And so he's going ahead and looking up information. He's looking up the top 25 people, you know, in our area, in our state. I mean, he's really doing the legwork in as far as gathering information to see where people rank. But more so, he's going about finding out what those individuals did to get to that particular rank. So he decided, okay. I need a gym membership, I need a trainer, I need this, that, and a third. And he came up with a very, very awesome little package formulated ideal, right? Then COVID hit, and it was like, got to do something different. But that does not stop your boy. He's like, okay, gyms is closed, then I'm going to need you to go ahead and, and let them pieces hit, mother, okay, great. And uh, I want this weight set in my room. Okay. And so I love the fact that even when the minute obstacle came about, it was like, <laughs> wait, but there's more. We're going to find another way to do it. However, I noticed in with talking with him that the road that he wants to take or the goal that he wants to reach, he only sees one way to get there. It's like, I need a trainer, I need this, I need that, I need that. I remember having a conversation with him as well because he felt like he was limited in exposure and experience because of where we were located. So there was a time that we were hopping in our car and driving two hours to the heart of Atlanta. Yes, because that's how far we are. Trying to get him exposure and get into different camps and things that were not readily available where we live or in our particular radius, right? And so there was once a time that we were doing that and we were getting the hotels for him and, and spending that extra money there and doing. And then it got to the point that I had to ask him, why are we doing all this? And his ideal, his ideology was the way to get to this goal, you have to take this particular road. Like it was the only road that was going to get him to the exit of his dreams. Like that was the only thing. And I remember saying to him, if you think that God is that small, if you think that your dreams can only be manifested through one way, then you think too small. I remember saying that to him. And then I caught myself because today I called my cousin, fast forward, you know, however, after. And I was just expressing a slight little bit, not even a frustration, but just a, hey, this is what I came up with. You know, how do you think I should maneuver and execute this now let me give you a little bit of backdrop after our last conversations about how long will it take and me expressing to you the frustrations at this current job that I'm at I was like okay it's time for me to go ahead and talk to God and just really have a heart-to-heart -heart moment and I had a heart-to-heart -heart moment with God and I'm like listen I am frustrated I need you to show me what it is that I'm not seeing I need you to open my eyes I need you to reveal whatever it is that I'm missing because I refuse to believe that every day should feel like Yosemite 
I know that the road of what you're taking is not going to be the easiest, but I know that the majority of them are not going to be draining. And when I say Gethsemane, I've realized that in the Bible, Jesus had that tough moment where he was sweating and, and praying and sweating so much that it says that his sweat was like, it drops like blood. So to me, I don't think he was actually sweating blood. I think that the consistency was just like, bruh, that's not sweat. It's coming out like you leaking blood. And so I understand that his most difficult moment in his ministry from what was illustrated as, you know, me reading it and taking it in was Gethsemane. I realized that there's going to be times that it's like, oh, my goodness, but I am not at the point in my life that I want to believe that until you arrive to your destination, your preferred destination or your calling, that it's just going to be difficulty after difficulty, a.k.a. Gethsemane the whole way through. I am not willing to accept that. That is not something I'm willing to subscribe to. I do not believe that we have to go ahead and have a difficulty until further notice. I believe in my heart that you can enjoy your view, your seat on in this car for this journey until you get to your destination I do not believe that you need to be cramped and you need to be starved and you need to be pinched and all for the sake of one day it won't be like this I do believe that there are going to be some sacrifices but I believe that what you are sacrificing for will be so important to you and that passion that you're connected to would drive you to a place that it won't feel like a sacrifice if at all you know how many artists go to different, you know, whether it's L.A. or New York, and they like, look, I will sleep with a uh, on a air mattress. I will have roommates. I would do whatever it takes, and they are sacrificing. They are sacrificing, but they are not sad. It is not a level of depression, and I may be speaking out of context because I haven't actually done any of that, but the times that I have sacrificed in my life, it didn't feel like I was missing out on something or like this feels wrong or I felt like I was kind of like losing my momentum. It felt like I was too connected to the thing that I wanted, that it was like keep going. And so in talking to my cousin today, I was like, it has to be another way to get to this goal. So I told her what I wanted my overall goal to be. And I told her that I was taking the route of entry level and starting, you know, taking this set back to have a future set for the rest of my life. And so I told her, you know, I'm taking this route and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay here and I'm frustrated and I'm this, that, and the third. And as I heard myself speaking, I felt like the way that my son did. Like, I saw one route to get to a destination. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Because I am naturally wired to see a problem and see other other options. I am naturally wired to be a problem solver. I'm naturally wired to say, yeah, but I feel like it's more to the story. And if I can't see it the first time, I know God's going to show me when I ask on the first time. So I'm like, okay, hold on. <laughs> wait a minute. This is 22. Oh. Uh, I think I'm seeing this wrong. And so I told her, I said, well, maybe instead of going this route to get to my exit, maybe I can go this route. And that was the first time that I was like, wait a minute, I didn't even explore that there's another way to get here. And as I'm saying, and she was like, oh, that sounds good. And I was like, yeah. And so when I got off the phone with her, I'm looking up, you know, other positions and things. And I had to also slap myself on the hand. I said, wait a minute, you told your son you know, you thinking too small, you, there's not just one, one way and all this other stuff. And I remember when I was looking up jobs before I felt limited. 
Because to me, the thing that I want to do, the jobs that I want to take, they are in the heart of Atlanta. The things that I want to do, they are about an hour in such and such a way. And so it was like, ah, but we live too far from what I want to do. I'm still gathering the education and the certifications to get to where I want to be. And I have all these different things that, I'm, that I made obstacles to get to my journey. And I just felt the softest little nudge by the Holy Spirit like, um, seems familiar, right? And I was like, oh, my goodness. I have been frustrated for the last couple of months solely because I didn't explore another way to get to my exit. It is one thing to say, oh, I know this is not my final destination, so I'm not even going to get irritated here, or I'm not even going to get comfortable here, or you know what, I'm not even going to put too much into it here. There's another thing to say, this is not fulfilling. This is causing a disruption and interrupting in my peace. So what I'm going to do is I thank you, God, for awakening me and letting me see this is not it so that I don't have to feel like I wasted any time. But praise God that I'm able to go ahead and reroute and recalculate and still get to my destination, but through another means. Thank God that I serve a God that will do things through another means. And immediately I had to check myself and ask the Holy Spirit I said am I small minded and he was like no you're formula minded I was like hmm wait a minute because <laughs> I already knew the answer to small minded I am not small minded I have huge dreams big ways to get there you talking to a girl that packed a whole U-Haul never drove that kind of tractor trailer situation before from New York drove to Georgia I will get a house I will get listen you give me a goal man it's my favorite thing to do I will plot point my way to a destination and get there and I believe that God's gonna put his hand on me and I know it and you can't tell me because God wouldn't have put a heart uh, the desire in my heart if it wasn't to be true and no I'm gonna get it and yeah and it's going uh, and the Holy Spirit was like yeah but guess what you just said it you plot point your way there I said oh <laughs> is that wrong he was like mm, yes and no Again, having this conversation with the Holy Spirit. So I'm like, um, give me more. He said, well, naturally you're a planner. So there's a strategic way in which a thing has to be with you. That's your natural wiring. And it is excellent in the earthly realm. I mean, that's how you keep things organized. You have a food shopping day. You have a roundabout day that you wash laundry. You know, the kids got to do their chores on this particular day. You know, you have your budget book. You have for the bills and all that. I mean, like, listen... Uh, Everything has a place, and the place is everything. Like, you're doing your thing in an earthly realm. But that does not work in the spiritual realm. And so I needed to hear that on a different level. And I'm like, okay, so what do you mean? Like, formulate it. He's like, you know, like, one plus one equals two only on earth. That doesn't work with God. A, A and B and C, like, the next letter is not always sequential with God. And I was like, Okay, so do me a favor. Can you show me, because you know how I am, Holy Spirit, can you show me in the Bible where I can illustrate it, because you know I'm visual and I need an example and I need to break it down to the elemental P. He was like, I'm so glad you asked. Um, Go ahead and go to Sarah real quick. I said, okay. He was like, uh-huh, Genesis 18. I want you to start at verse 9. I said, okay. You know, I read in the NLT version, so let's just get into it. This is when the three men came and was talking to abraham about sodom and gomorrah what have you right right prior to this so this is you know read your bible but i'm trying to get you up to date right okay so verse nine 
Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. 11. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. 12. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such a pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. 13. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh? Why does she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. 15. Because, you know, women need to have the last word. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. And he gave it a side eye like I'm doing. And so I was like, okay, so Sarah's problem was what? He says, Sarah heard a thing and couldn't believe a thing because the formula wasn't there. If you scroll back a little verse up to uh, verse 11, and even the Bible admitted Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. And it said long. So I'm assuming it was way past. No, she don't She don't even know what a hot flash is, okay? You have a nice day. She hasn't had a, had a hot flash in about a decade times five, like 50 decades. Like, yeah, it's been a long, long time. And I was like, okay, so... In her mind, the only way that this could have came about was if she was able to bear a child. He was like, yes. Now, Sarah wasn't wrong in the earthly realm to believe there's no way that I could have a baby. But she let that formulated mind override her ability to be able to receive what God said he would do. I said, oh, my goodness, Father, forgive me. Forgive us because I know that we do it sometimes. I know that we do. You look at your education and you don't even you don't even try to apply to certain jobs. You're like, they're not gonna hire me. Oh, you made that decision already? Oh, okay. Oh, God told you to go up and you know have that spark that conversation with such and such. Nah, they won't even. I mean, what? They look like they could be smarter than me, or you know, you feel intimidated. Maybe God told you to go ahead and start, you know, having that conversation with such and such because you know she cute, right? You like that? Mm-hmm, I made it. Um, that's what God is saying. You know, oh, go start talking to old oh boy. Fill him out. See him. See if he's even something you need to be praying about. <laughs> you understand? And you like, ah, yeah, but I'm not all the way cute today, or mm, you know what? Let me get my body in shape and then, or like you put all these prerequisites, all these formulated ideas in front of something that God said will happen, or that something that God sparked in you for it to happen. I didn't even realize, you know, sometimes we look at it like, you know, maybe that's just being responsible. You know, maybe God said, yo, go start looking at houses. And you're like, uh, did you see the account? <laughs> so I don't have no down payment yet. And he's like, see, I can, 
Again, I told you to go start looking. I told you to start getting familiar with this group of people. I told you to start networking. I told you to start walking places and claiming it like one day this will be me. I actually heard something on a podcast. Nope, matter of fact, it wasn't a podcast. I'm listening to this book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And he said that years ago, Bill Clinton, as a, a child or what have you, went on a trip to the White House. And he said, one day I'm going to live in here. And, you know, we hear that in passing or what, whatever the case may be. But, like, we had that as a child. You remember looking at cars and be like, that's my car. That's my car. Like, something in us, we already knew. We were already innately wired to say, I see something that I want. I'm going to speak it, and it's going to be mine one day. And then, for some reason, we became adults. And we're like, yeah, but you don't have the credit score or the money or the um. – it's like – who taught you limitations? Your formulated mind. Your formulated mind. I don't know if school did it to us because it's like, yo, you do this, this, and this. You get a good GPA. You don't You do not do this, this, and this. You're going to be terrible. You do this, this, and this when it, for, in order for you to lose weight, get the body weight that you don't. You do the opposite, you don't. So I think somewhere we've learned that, yeah, it takes a certain level of discipline and participation on our end to get an end result. But, again, that works well on earth. That works well with things that you decided, okay, this is my goal. Some things you can't be like, all right, God, go ahead and shave off these 20 pounds real quick. No, you didn't ask him for help for putting that 20 pounds on. Hmm. I mean, no shade. So you need to do the disciplinary things to reverse what you did in the natural. But when it comes to things that God said he's going to do for you, there is no formula. Like, I, I low-key, if God would have been like, uh, like if I had to switch places with Sarah, if God was like, <laughs> um, Abraham, why she laugh? I think I would have actually took the opportunity to say, because I'm not a fibber. That's not my, you know, my wiring is not to just lie off back. But I would have said, real talk, God, it's because I'm old. And he probably would have gave her a word that she could have manifested and ate for her whole entire life. But just the fact that she didn't have a real talk conversation, she missed out on getting some information or some knowledge or a new perspective that would have changed her ideology for the rest of her life. That is why when we're having conversations of doubt or when we're having feelings of doubt, we need to have real conversations with God. It don't need to look like, Oh, heavenly father, I come to you. No, you need to be a 1000. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated at this job. I'm frustrated in this relationship. I feel like I'm at my end. I feel like this, that, and the third. And if I don't see something new, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to probably go ahead and end this because I think the best thing that we can ever do is just keep it real with God because he can't bless you or inform you past your level of truth. You need to be able to say what it is. Because when you have these conversations with him, the only person that's going to be able to shed light, that's going to change your life is God. So why wouldn't you take that, that opportunity to soak in some of that? That's like sitting next to a billionaire and not even wanting to know, what did you do to get your money? So when you're sitting in the presence of God, that ain't no time to be fake. That ain't no time to be withdrawn. That ain't no time to be spiritual. That's a time to be like, listen, honestly, I feel like punching one of your creations. Real talk, God. Okay? I'm not even going to hold you. Your creation say one more thing to me, and I'm probably going to have to um show her, like, how you made my knuckle. 
you know, just as an example, not speaking from a real place or, or maybe not, whatever. <clears throat> okay, great. And so that's the example with Sarah, right? I didn't even realize that having a formulated mind was just something that's just so easy to fall into. And and I believe in my heart that it's different than small-mindedness. Small-mindedness is it can't happen, it won't happen. You know, that kind of, you you just, you know you have the ability to do something, but you operate still so small. You know, for you have the degree, you have the whatever, but you're still carrying yourself like you got a GED. You have the funds, you have whatever you want to go ahead and get, but you keep treating and living a lifestyle that's uncomfortable, not because you are financially wise but just because you are mentally poor and so you will live in the same state even though you have all these other outlets to be greater and you just decided no I'm gonna be smaller it's like my husband and I were watching um Aaron Hernandez that little I think it was on Netflix the football playing guy I think they finally got him on the New England Patriots he came from Florida he was a gator and he was into the street life like toward almost him getting signed for the New England Patriots. And he signed a $40 million contract, but was still going back to the hood to people that he shouldn't have been in conversation with or in close proximity to. And he was hanging with them, which ultimately led to his demise. He started hanging with people who got, you know, guns and, you know, had records and this, that, and the third, which wasn't his upbringing. But my thing was, how did the two mix? How was it that he was able to have 40 mil and put his signature to that kind of contract, but was hanging around with people who probably didn't even have $40? That is small mindedness. I have better. I can walk in better. I can do better. But I, I, for some reason, consciously or subconsciously choose to operate in smallness. You see what I'm saying? Then I went ahead and I was like, okay, I don't want to just make it a female thing. I want to go ahead and, and, and make it a dude thing as well. And so, again, still asking the Holy Spirit, like, okay, so show me smallness because this is, listen, a eureka moment and a well of wisdom that I just kind of stumbled over, to be completely honest with you. And so he was like, okay, I want you to go back to David. And I was like, okay, let me guess, Goliath. He was like, all the time. You know, I could flip this thing however many ways. I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, because that's how Holy Spirit and I get down, right? And so he made me go down to the exact time, verse 32, when David is actually getting ready to go ahead and approach Goliath. So let's just jump right into it. 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. 33. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you could fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. 34. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, 35, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. 36, I have done this with both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. 37, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So finally consistent, consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. <laughs> I, I'm sure you already caught the formula, right? What was the formula? 
Who was the formulated person here? Let's go ahead and do that. Class? Mm-hmm, in session. Who had the formulated David or Saul? Right. Saul. What was his formula? In order to defeat Goliath, you had to measure up to Goliath. So in that 33 rap verse, when he was like, don't be ridiculous, his next sentence was, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. So he was, he, he, oh, you can fight him, but win, like that combo? Mm-mm. Not fight him and win. His next sentence was, you're only a boy, Demeric. And he's been a man of war since his youth. Huh. Okay. So the only way that he could have, David, that he could have been able to fight Goliath and win the battle is if he too was a man that was also in war since his youth. I guarantee it because Saul has a formulated mind. I guarantee you that even if David would have been in war since the youth, Saul would have found something else because that's just how the untreated formulated mind thinks. I think his next thing would have been, um, don't be ridiculous. He's nine feet. You only five nine. Don't be ridiculous. Look at the size of his helmet. Look at the size of your, because he, what he was really saying is you don't measure to him. So they needed a Goliath on their side and in his mind that measured up. If they had someone else who was nine feet, that their helmet weighed that much and that their sword weighed that much and that they was able to taunt. And I think he would have felt real comfortable, but that's not how God works. God doesn't work according to your formula. And again, seeing it in a different light was like, oh, my goodness. Because then right after that, <laughs> if you didn't know that the answer was that Saul was a formulated one, when you continue to read in verse 38, check this out. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. Uh, nope, let me not even. 39. David put it on strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like for he had never worn such things before i can't go in these he protested to saul i'm not used to them so david took them off again so saul is like okay i heard everything that you said about you know god saved you from the lions and the tigers and the bears and the oh my's i get it you know yeah, I used to sing that song too as a child. Um, but if you're gonna go out there, you're gonna need something that it makes makes you at least look like you know what you're doing. So let me just go ahead and put all of these things that you've never worn before onto you. That's another thing that the formulated mind does. It cannot hear that somebody else is saying, I believe in my way of doing it. I believe not only in my way, I believe wholeheartedly that the desires that God put in my heart, it will come to pass if I do it this way. This man didn't say, I, I, I you know, just because I wanted to play with tigers. And I just wanted to see what that little canine, you know, fang looked like up close and personal. He didn't say that this was something that he was muddling in because it was something that he, you know, recreational, whatever. It wasn't entertainment to him. This man said, the Lord saved me from these bears and these lions. And he would do the same for this pagan Philistine. Whenever you hear someone else tell you, I feel in my heart that God did or that God said, don't you dare put your formulated words and mindsets onto them. 
Because even after David proclaimed, I know for a fact if God did it before, he was going to do it again. Saul was like, cool, then let me go ahead and give it to you the way that I think you need to do it. And thank God that David was had such a humble assessment of himself that he was like, you know what? <laughs> I can't go in this, bro. I'm not used to this. I can only do it the way that God told me to do it. I can only do it the way that God has shown me before that he'll take me out of it. I can only do this but one way, and it's not your way. And I know it probably looks crazy, but I can't live my life by your formulas if God didn't give me that equation. Oh, my goodness. Who knew that we were, it's even in the Bible, that people were going just, tightened up and prisoned by formulas and so I had to come up with like okay because you know how I am I like to go ahead and just give let me just give me some fruit to eat on for the anytime this comes back up I want to be able to just plant this tree water the seed go ahead and just get all the fruit that comes from it and we just continue to eat and eat and eat off of this because life fruit is different than appetizers life fruit is I will never forget this ever again this is going to be a new tool in my arsenal this is going to be a new tool in my shed and I will never forget this because what the enemy tried to use in my absence because the Bible says that my people perish from a lack of knowledge so now that you have this knowledge whoo my goodness you see what I'm saying so I just came up with a few things I said formula suppresses greatness didn't we just see that with Saul like, bro, you try to go ahead and suppress him. Now he's talking all this. Like, now let, let's play the tape forward with a different path. What if David said all that? You know, God did it before. He'll do it again. He did it with the bears and the lions and he blah, blah, blah. And then he put, you know, Saul's armor on and he went out there and he got plummeted. That possibly would have had the possibility to make other people that were, you know, onlookers almost doubt that God can do a thing what if that one act of suppressing greatness through a formulated mind could have made other people unbelievers when it came to God in a certain area in their life like the army of Saul was already shaking in their boots they already had Goliath going back and forth 40 days 40 nights and not saying nothing they were scared they wasn't doing anything and imagine David coming and saying God can do it and he'll hand me over and then and then it's over you think that was going to maybe embark some type of like, we can do it. Da, da, da. You, you think that was going to do that? That would have had them like, buddy, if he believed that God could and it didn't happen for him. And we are literally soldiers. Yeah, like, bro, nobody can't fight Goliath. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going home. <laughs> it's over. So formulated minds suppresses greatness. I noticed that with Sarah, Abraham's wife, that formulated minds have the potential to reroute the blessing. I didn't realize the chronological order of when it was actually told to Sarah that she was going to have the baby. That was said in Genesis 18, but a verse or a chapter or two over, that's when she had that formulated idea to give her, give Hagar to her husband. Right. And so God is saying, hey, I'm going to give you something. And you're like, oh, okay, well, let me put my hand in it and try to go ahead and put it together. And that is why there was such that thing between Ishmael and Isaac. And to this day, there's that clash between, you know, the Islam and Christianity and all that. Because Ishmael 
was not God's intention. Ishmael was Sarah's formulated baby. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's that formulated mind. What else what else do formulated minds do? Suppresses faith. It does. Because that I believe, and I'm gonna take a page from my own personal book, I believe that was making that's the reason why I was frustrated at the current job that I'm in temporarily, because I'm going to go ahead and speak that into existence, because I felt like, man, this vehicle is the only way for me to get to the exit of my destination. This is the only vehicle. You sure? And then God had to go ahead and open up my eyes for me to see that there's so many cars in this parking lot. All I got to do is take my faith and go ahead and sit in it, and my faith will be the, the key, the ignition, the engine to where I desire to be. It is not the car that you're in that gets you there. It's your faith in God that gets you there. So no matter if I leave this car or any other cars, and I just, for whatever the reason, one could be too small, one could not have any AC, one could have a, you know, tire repair that can't be repa- repaired, whatever it is, if I decide, God, I no longer want to take this particular vehicle, but I still want to continue my journey, as long as I take my faith with me, it doesn't matter. God is still with me. I'm still going to get there what a difference when I started or was introduced to that way of thinking today suppresses formulated mind suppresses faith it's like it's real close it's dangerous almost you see what I'm saying I was actually now that I hear myself saying it the same Aaron Hernandez um that little trial thing that my husband and I were watching on Netflix there was a guy that was on his team that said he was also fighting inner feelings of being homosexual and he had a plan that after full he was going to do the most masculine thing he can do was just play football and put on weight and be unattractive and all of that because he just figured you know if he put on weight and became unattractive then nobody would have the gall to ask him well why aren't you dating a girl that was his plan and he said that at the he was going to play football for as long as he could play football and then he was just going to go ahead and self-harm and so I think that I don't know if it was recommended to him, but he wind up speaking to the football therapist. And she said to him, you know, you're not the first football player to tell me that you're struggling with these feelings of, you know, with your sexuality, and you're also not the second. And so she said to him, well, if you're going to go ahead and carry out this plan of self-harm, why don't you at least speak to the people that you care about most because you care about their opinion and see if you were to tell them how they would feel. And so he said he went back and he spoke to his parents, he spoke to his mother first, and that their reaction was completely different from what he thought. And ultimately, fast forward down the line, it saved him from self-harming. But in his mind, the formula was, if he were to come out and tell them what his preference was in the bedroom, that they would do whatever and disown him or whatever his fear was. And so the only thing that made sense was don't even tell them, just off yourself. And it's like even that right there, I just realized as I'm speaking to you, that right there is a formulated mind. You didn't even try to exercise to see if there will be something outside of your own thoughts. You didn't even try to see, you know what? Let me test my theory before I just subscribe to it the whole way through. You see what I'm saying? 
Formulated minds also suppresses blessings. With the woman with the issue of blood. <laughs> oh, she's one of my favorite. I wish we I wish she had a name. I'm about to name her in a little bit. About to name her Brenda. Close to blood. I don't know. We'll get to it. Um Bloodinia. Bl- blood esteem. I don't know. We'll get to it. Gang gang. Um anyway. So with her, <laughs> when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, right? He turned around and he said, Your faith has made you whole. Right? Your faith has made you whole. But what if her formula was, <laughs> Brad, I've been to the doctors. I done gave all my money, which the Bible does say that. It says that she went to all the doctors. She spent up all her money. Like literally Jesus was her last resort, which is a lot of our problems, but I digress. I rolled my eyes. It's at you, but not at you. You get what I'm saying? What if she just believed I already did the things that I feel was going to work? It has not worked, so what's the use? Thank God that she had one more little iota of of faith, of hope in her that said, yeah, but I haven't tried to touch Jesus. As a matter of fact, nobody has tried to touch him for the healing. So I'm going to go ahead and sneak up behind, touch his coattail real quick, and see what happens. Praise God that she didn't have a formulated mind. Formulas are limiting. It's limiting. It limits God, but it's limiting you. And there is, and the thing about it that's so silly to me is that there is someone living or something existing that if you honestly gave it some research and gave it some time, it would debunk your whole ideology and your whole formulated way of thinking. There is someone that their education, even though they have the top, top, whatever, they have the PhDs of the DHDs, whatever, is the most unintelligent person you've ever met. You can be book smart and not be street smart, or you can only be study smart and and have no application to it. You ever saw somebody that you thought was like, man, you know, you're brilliant, or you should be, at least that's what it should reflect on paper. And the moment that they speak, you're like, bro, you are the most airheadish, dingiest. I'm talking about in, in a Christian way, but my gosh, how did you even know how to find yourself this morning and I know somebody probably goes ahead and pops in your mind real quick or you're looking at the education you like I know you get all the job opportunities and instead you like huh why you not using some of those degrees how come you're not using some of that wisdom why you not I don't really huh Oh, okay. There's somebody that their body size you just thought okay slim equals um healthy not all the time no not all the time You'll be surprised. Too many, and I think that's the reason why there's some jealousy in the world. Too many people looked at one body type or one nose type, shout out to the Jacksons, and was like, that's beauty. Not on you. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, that nose size with your facial structure, you didn't even, they didn't even give you a virtual experience for you to get a simulation of what that would look like on your face. You can't just keep copying and posting the Jackson 5 nose. It looks ridiculous. I, what are y'all doing? You looked at one body shape, you looked at one Kardashian, you looked at one supermodel and was like, I need that, that, and that on me. And you made that to believe a formulated idea of beauty in your mind. And then once it's on you, it looks terrible. You look like an ant, a crab, a baby lobster when you try to put all that butt with no hips. Like, what you doing? Why don't you fill your lips up like that? How come you... But something in your mind said, if I have that, that, and that, I will feel beautiful. If I have that, that, and that, I will get more attention. I will get the guy that I want. I will get the female that I want. I will get the, really? 
that formulated mind is going to cost you more than what you can ever spend in plastic surgery. Pinky promise you. You ever looked at someone with a big house and a big car and a big whatever tangible item, and you were like, oh, man, I, I know they banking. You think so? Oh, you haven't been listening to the Dave Ramsey's or the Susie Orman shows, have you? Hmm? Yeah, these people making um six figures, and the amount of debt is like, what? Or just look at celebrities. Oh, they... You thinking, what, what could you possibly be upset about or sad about that you can't that you can't just enjoy your celebrity, that you can't just enjoy your fame and your fortune? And you have no idea, neither do I, but I'm going to go ahead and guesstimate how it possibly feels to have the stress of if I don't continue to be the next hot thing, the thing that is buzzing, I am probably one hit song that turns into a one hit wonder away from having to apply to um, a fast food restaurant. I am one decision away from being a one-hit wonder, that I am one. And so they're doing all these things with drugs and trying to get their creative juices flowing and all of that, and they buying stuff, and they trying to create drama and do whatever to stay relevant. But what you don't realize is they are a slave to something that they don't know when this will possibly end. And to be in something where you just can't listen, we have it way easier. Today or tomorrow, your job, that you're currently at, the thing that you're currently pursuing, if it don't go well, eh, whatever. You go ahead and you try something. I mean, it'll probably be hurt because you're like, man, I put this much into it. I did that much. I did this, that, and the third. But you can go ahead always and turn that around and do something different, and it won't be on TMZ. You know how, how stressful that probably is? To, you can't walk out your house and just be regular, go to Walmart real quick. You can't, don't let you try to live modestly. Like you, that's a lot of pressure. It, it really is. And so this whole formulated mind thing really has me to the point that it's like, yo, I'm going to think different for the rest of my life. I am, and I just told myself, I'm taking the limits off. I've always taken the limits off of God, but I'm going to take the limits off of me. So I am going to apply to jobs yonder. If it's worth it, if it's something that I want to do, if the salary is whatever, I'm going to go ahead. Because what I realized is you are going to have to sacrifice in life anyway. It might as well be something that you deem is worth it. The job that I'm currently at is not worth it to me. And, and I've sacrificed for this. I took a, a pay cut. I took a cut in my hours because it's part time. I took a cut in my peace because I don't like what I do. <laughs> and so it's like, bruh, yeah, I might as well go ahead and get a better pay, better position, better pay, something that I want to do, and go ahead and drive my car to, like, the nearest mass transit, whatever, and get on the bus or the train the rest of the way. Like, if you're going to go ahead, and I know it probably sounds like, mm, but listen, you're going to have to do something because complaining the whole way through ain't it. You're going to have to sit down and talk to your, your significant other at some point. You're going to have to have that conversation with your family member at some point. You're going to have to sit down and tell, oh, girl, listen, this doesn't work. And as a matter of fact, I'm speaking to you what I'm getting ready to do in a few days. The next business day, I'm going into the office, and I'm, and I'm deciding between one or two things. It's either, A, I'm letting it be known that a part of the job description where me and this woman keep butting heads, and she's not being professional about it, and I have a paper trail, and that I've been trying to communicate with her in a professional realm, if that does not get better, that particular task I, I'm going to just say I'm no longer doing 
And then the job's going to have to figure out what they're going to do. I'll do everything else that's, that's around it, but I'm not doing the one thing that makes this environment toxic for me. And so they're going to have to figure it out because I already got it figured out. It's either A, I'm going to say it the next time while everything is cool and there's no argument, or B, I'm going to say it the next time she says something foul, and I'm just like, you know what, <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I already have something in my back pocket for this. But I've already decided I'm not going to continue to complain, and this is not my only way to get to my God-given destination. This is not the only vehicle to take. And so that is my challenge to you. Take the limits off and start by erasing that formulated way of thinking. It is not helping you. It is limiting you. It is making you almost look like you're operating in smallness, but it probably you probably think that you're being responsible. Well, I'm trying to make sure that I do A, B, and C first before I go ahead and blah, blah, blah. And in some cases, yes, that is amazing, but that doesn't always work in God's economy. So you're going to have to go back and ask God, okay, what do you want me to do? That's why the Bible says things like, what is it, in Second Peter, I think it's 3, 8, it says, a day is like a thousand years to you, Lord. Like, how is a day a thousand? Because it's not supposed to make sense to you. That's why it says in Isaiah 55 that my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, bruh. Like he's saying all this stuff to make you understand you can't think your way to my destiny for you. You have to be spiritually aligned with me and be obedient to get there. That is it. If you're uncomfortable, it's for a reason. Don't just take it as, oh, I got to get tougher skin. No, that discomfort is a ignition light on your dashboard of your body, of your life that's saying, I need your attention. This area of your life needs your attention. And I need you to go ahead and stop driving this car through all these alarms, bells, and whistles going off in you. And all you thinking is, oh, let me just change the temperature. Don't change the temperature. Change the situation. And I'm speaking to you dispassionately because you know when I get like this, I'm talking to myself, but more so I'm talking to the thing that tries to go ahead and, and keep us in bondage. We, we should not be tied to situations that make us feel like, oh, my goodness, there's no way out. Yes, there is because of what Jesus did on Calvary. I refuse. Life is too short to be in anything that's not fulfilling without you putting something forward that could embark some type of change. You don't like it, change it. God didn't like the first world, and so what he did, he, ch- he made a second one. You don't ha- you're not stuck, and we already had that conversation, didn't we? The you not stuck. You, do you even understand what my challenge is to you? Because I'm, like, getting irritated and frustrated and all kind of, but it's not an anger. It's a passion. It's a, I want to do better. I want us to do better. I want both of us to put on our sneakers and meet each other halfway. Like, just run to me. I'll run to you. But let there be God in the middle of that. Because where two or more are gathered, he is there in the midst. And that's what these conversations serve as. I know that he gave you exactly what you need. So I'm not even going to give you your challenge. You should know what it is. Stop being formulated. It doesn't work. It's not working. It hasn't worked since Bible times. Stop it. I know Holy Spirit did something to you because he slapped me a couple of times, and I'm wiping sand off my face right now, okay? Because Jesus took his sandal and was like, and came back, and I'm like, I'm still spitting up sand kernels, okay? You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to have with you because not everybody wants to see you win like me. Like to my core, on some real talk, to my core, I want to see us win. 
And I will take everything that is in me to pour back to see somebody else win. You know, all these last few conversations have been about my job frustration. I didn't have to share that. But if I can use that for the greater good of the kingdom, like, let's go. You understand? Life-provoking conversations. We ain't going to never look at life the same. You better not hang up this phone and be living the same either. Okay? But I'm still hyped, so I may need to go ahead and, and box the air real quick. Cuban good and style and boys in the you, – you already know, okay? So let me just go ahead. I'm going to let you let me go because I'm hyped, and I'm probably going to keep you on another hour. And I know you got things to do, but I, I, I'm, I'm still in – I'm probably going to call you back. Just If we don't hang up now, it's going to be a long time, so let's just go, okay? Okay, later. <laughs>